Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Ayin Vav. We quoted the opinion of the sages who said that a Samaritan is not allowed to marry another Samaritan. We saw a few different reasons, and now we have one last one. The third opinion is that the Samaritans are not careful with the details of mitzvot. Either they don't know them, or whether they know them or not, they're not careful. In fact, the Samaritans keep the Chamishachum She Torah, but they do not believe in the authority of Nevi'im, Kituvim, and certainly not of the oral law. So while they keep the things in the Torah very strictly according to very literal interpretation and their interpretation of it, um, so they are strict in mitzvot, but not in the details of the oral law, the way it's interpreted by the rabbis. And so that is going to be a problem regarding marriage laws, as we'll see in a second. Now, man yeshamim, who is this opinion? This yeshamim is the opinion of Rabbi Eli Ezer, because in Ebraita says that on Pesach that is baked and used by a Samaritan is permitted for Jews also. Uh, if you want to go to a Samaritan bakery until today, you can go up, up up north to the Samaritans on Pesach. You actually actually go and visit them on Pesach because they have a different calendar. So you can uh, go and see them, uh, not to participate, but to watch what they do. And uh, they have Masot. And so I don't know if it be if the Mevrites about, about uh, the way the Samaritans make their Masot today, but at least back then, in the times of the Tanaim, the Samaritans, their Masot are permitted. They're kosher. You could use them. Um, and you can even use them for the Seder uh, to fulfill one's mitzvah of eating Masah. That's the majority opinion. However, the Be'eliezer says, no, you cannot do that because although the Samaritans bake Masot and they're, they're careful not to make it hametz and all that, they're not careful with all the details. A lot of details that go into making sure Masah is good, the 18 minutes, the Masah Shemura, all that. And so you cannot have it. So what you see here is that the opinion that says that they are not careful in the details of mitzvot, that is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. So this Yashamrim is Rabbi Eliezer. Continuing this Braita, there's a third opinion of Rashbag that says any mitzvah that the mass Samaritans do, they are more careful in it than Jews are. In other words, they don't do all the mitzvot because after all, they don't have Nach and Torah Peh, so they're not going to, you know, something that we call Halachal Mishim Sinai, they're probably not going to have. But the, the mitzvot that they do, they keep very, very carefully. Um, which is actually true that Samaritans and other uh, sectarians um, that follow a literal interpretation of the halacha generally are more machmir than rabbinic law is. Okay, but anyway, we're following Rabbi Eliezer, who says not so, they are not careful in the misfot, not even misfot that, that we have in common, like eating masa, they're not careful in the details, and therefore you can't trust them. Okay, but regarding to marriage laws, we're not talking about Pesach, we're talking about why they can't marry each other. Because they're not uh, careful with the details of Kiddushin and Gitin. This is a problem because let's say they get married um, and remember, Samaritans are a mixture of all kinds of people, and you know some are some are Jewish. And so, let's say they go and get married. Let's say the marriage is good, kiddushin, and then they decide to get divorced. And, and for, for getting divorced, they do it in some funny way, not according to halacha. They don't write the get in a in a, in the way that we would consider kosher. 
Um, and then uh, they go ahead and they get and um, they think they're divorced. And she uh, goes and marries somebody else and has a child. Well, that child, according to Jewish law, rabbinic law, will be a mamzer. But they think it'll be kosher. But it doesn't matter what they think. It matters what we think. We think it's a mamzer. And therefore, that, that, that lineage will be tainted. And so there could be a lot of cases like this. Maybe all their divorces are, are improper or some of their divorces are improper. And uh, therefore, uh, there are mamzerim among them. Of course, they do have marriage and gitin and gedushin in some sense. It's in the Torah, so they do keep it, but they're not going to keep it the right way. And therefore, their divorces are invalid. Another opinion is that the Samaritans are involved in incest with a, a person and his sister, or um, the, uh, the a brother's wife, a sister-in-law. Um, that they're all mixed in there, and those would produce mamzerim. Uh, this is curious because Samaritans do keep biblical law, uh, Chumash law, and this is in the Chumash. So I'm not sure why uh, why um, uh, the Talmud here is saying that the Samaritans don't keep these uh, carefully. But anyway, what is this teaching us? Why does it have to give us two examples? If it wants to tell us that, they think that, uh, is it wants to tell us that, um, that we, that the halacha is that Chayave um, Kiretot produces a mamzer, so just have one. Maybe that's what it, what it means. Not that the Samaritans permitted um, a, a sister or a sister-in-law. It's in Torah, does not permitted. But they may have thought that it does not cause mamzerut, um, which, which is a, a one opinion in, among the rabbis as well. And so it doesn't cause mamzerut, and therefore they weren't careful with the children of such a union. Uh, they were allowed to marry, but we say halacha is not so, that it does it does produce a mamzer, and then that, would, that, that line would be no good according to the rabbis, but would be okay according to the Samaritans. So that would be the problem. Okay, anyway, if it wants to teach, if it's um, Rav Nachman is teaching us that, we say that there is a mamzer for Chayvek, just give us one example, sister or sister-in-law. Why don't you give both examples? And the answer is, because it was just explaining the reality. In fact, there were examples of Samaritans that had both of these problems of incest from a sister or a sister-in-law, and they didn't, didn't consider the children to be mamzerim, so they went ahead and married those children, and uh, that's the problem with them. That's why they cannot marry even each other, because some of the Samaritans are fine or okay Jews, and some of them are mamzerim, so we can't let them even marry each other. Rava says that they got Evadim and Shefachot, Eved Kenani, Shifcha Kenanit are mixed in among them, and they did not trace them carefully to see who is from a family of Eved or a Shifcha. Now, what's the prohibition? It's because of uh, slavery. Fine, we understand that uh, Shifcha will produce. Um, uh, will we'll, we'll continue and be inherited. So just give us one example. Why do you have to give us, if he wants to tell us that there's an, a, a prohibition of shifcha and that they have that mixed up in them, so why not just say that to tell us the principle? And the answer is, again, that this actually happened. It happened with some males and females that were uh, avadim and shefachot and did get mixed up and they weren't careful to separate out those, those lineages and therefore some of the Samaritans have um, a bad lineage because of that.
נקסט משנה, הנושא אישה כהנת צריך לבדוק אחריה באימהות שהן שמונה. האימא ואם אימה ואם אבי אימה ואימה ואם אביה ואימה ואם אביה ואימה. לביאה וישראלית מוסיפים עליהן עוד אחת. If someone's going to marry a כהנת and so this guy um, uh, wants to check to make sure that she has proper lineage. Now what is he checking for? Well it depends who he is. If he's a regular if he's a Levi or Israel, the man, then he has to make sure that she does not have problems that he cannot marry, like Mamzeret um, and things like that. Um, if he is a Kohen, he has to check for that, those things. Plus, he has to make sure that she is not someone that he is not allowed, uh, a Kohen is not allowed to marry, like a Halala. Okay, so where uh, the, the guy would be checking for different things, the Machloket among the, um, the Rishonim, what kind of guy we're talking about, right? But uh, in fact, bo- bo- both kinds of people would have to check. Now, if he's marrying, if the guy's marrying a Bat Kohen, the uh, uh, Kohen families are generally more uh, careful with their lineage. So then he has to check back um, a, a, a generation or two, as we'll see. He has to check back. So this is four imahot. And this is not talking about the, the uh, you know, uh, uh, but rather her four, the wife, his prospective wife's uh, four, um, uh, his mother and, and grandmothers, um, as we'll see. I'll show you a chart. And, um, and that's actually eight because you take each, each of those women and you add their mothers. So you only have to check eight people uh, regard, uh, regarding if it's a family of a, a Kohen, a Bat Kohen. But if someone is marrying a Bat Levi or a Bat Yisrael, then you have to go back yet another generation because families of Levim and Yisraelim are not as careful with their lineage. Um, so we have to do an extra check. Luckily, we have a uh, nice chart here. Um, so the uh, darker color here is if it's a Bat Kohen. So someone's going to marry a Bat Kohen and he wants to make sure uh, if he is a Yisrael, wants to make sure she's not a Mamzeret or um, Eved or uh, uh, a Sufi and so on. Um, if he's a, if the guy is a Kohen, he's going to check to make sure that she is not uh, halala and other other problems. So if she's a bat kohen, the family of a bat kohen is going to be generally careful. So you have to check for imahot. That means her mother, her father's mother, um, and uh, her that's two. Um, her mother's maternal grandfather and her father's paternal grandfather. So this one, two, three, four would be the main four, but that turns into eight. Because for each of these four people, you have to go back one generation. So you see, it's uneven because um, her mother is the is the is a uh, first one generation away. So then you two you uh, you have to go back one before that. That's only her grandmother. That's two generations. You don't have to go back any further if she's a bat kohen because bat kohen is is, uh, is um, careful. Now the other guys are are men. Now we're gonna Gemara is gonna ask why why don't why don't we check the men themselves, but. We'll answer that in a second. Um, but instead, we go back to the nearest female. So that would be at the, over here, the grandmother level. So she goes back yet one more generation as well. And for the others, the father's father uh, or the mother's father, that's going to go back here three generations. So you have to check those. And 
um, that that's the four, but it's eight, so you have to go back always one more. So wherever you're checking the nearest um, female in each line, you're also going to go back one. So therefore, if it's a, she's a bat kohen, you check these eight that have a dark color. If someone is marrying a bat Israel or a bat Levi, then you have to check more. We're going to see, and uh, we're going to see in the Gemara is going to be two opinions. You have to check all those eight, of course, plus something. Plus what? One opinion is going to say plus four more, right? Go back one generation for each, so that would be twelve. Another opinion says you have to go back two generations for each, so that's going to be plus another four after that, so that's sixteen. Um, uh, so that would be the the most. The opinion that says the most would be for Bat Yisrael and Bat Levi that says you have to check um, uh, uh, each each uh, of the four, and you have to go back another three generations plus those four, which would be sixteen altogether. All right, so that's the first part of the Mishnah. Now, continue. If, we, while we're checking, we find any man um, within the uh, that family tree um, uh, that ser- was a Kohen who served on the Mizbeach, um, he, he, Kohen was who served in the Mizbeach, then we know that that guy was pre-checked. This is like, right, TSA pre-check. This is Kohen altar pre-check. So, for example, um, let's say we know her father, right, was a Kohen um, who, who, who served in the Bet HaMikdash. Well, then for sure he is pre-checked that all of his uh, uh, ancestors are good, so you don't have to go back any further. Or let's say her maternal grandfather was a Kohen who served in the, on the Mizbeach, and then you don't have to go and check any any further. You still have to check the other lines, but you wouldn't have to check that person. So that's like a pre-check certificate. Not only Mizbeach, also any uh, anyone who served on the Duchan, uh, Kohen or Levi who served on the Duchan, um, because that's where the Sanhedrin was, and they checked and make sure that people that served there playing instruments and singing in the temple, that they would be good. And also, if someone is a member of the Sanhedrin, that then they they check to make sure they they're good. We're going to, I was going to discuss that and explain that judge a judge has to have good lineage. None of those people, but also if you find a father along the way that was an official, a public official, or a collector of tzedakah, those people we had to make sure were good lineage, so they're pre-checked. And they can marry even a Kohen, right? You could, they're, they're checked for everything. All the things that even the Kohen could just marry them. They're kosher. And you don't have to go and check further there in their lineage. Even someone who signed as a witness in the court of old Sipori. Either it's an old court of Sipori or a section of Sipori that's the old section. So old Sipori, there was a court there. Arki is a Greek word. Uh, that means uh, an, a, a judge or a magistrate and someone who signed um, one version is signed as a witness there so they would check to make sure the witness was good or uh, another version is signed as a judge there Okay, so they were very careful, so it's all good. Also someone who was in a, in a list of army recruits for a Jewish king. Whereas we're going to see, uh, a Jew, to be a soldier and a Jewish king, you have to have good lineage. Well, why does that help? Maybe good eyesight, good um, good uh, uh, muscles, you want to be strong. What help will good lineage be that there was no uh, mamzerut in your grandfather? How does that help you fight? We're going to say that will explain all this. 
Okay, so any anytime if you see that there's someone in um, a person's lineage who was part of that army service and in the list, then you don't have to check any further before that. How come when we're uh, checking, a guy's going to marry a, a woman, we check her, all her maternal, or her mother, grandmother, other grandmother, great-great-grandmother, how come we only check the woman, how come we don't check the men? And the answer is, Because when women fight and call each other names, they call each other names that have to do with adayot, meaning promiscuity. I say, oh, you're promiscuous. No, you're promiscuous. Um, but that won't necessarily affect their lineage. Just saying, you know, when... Uh, I don't know, you were single, you were very promiscuous. So um, that's what they call each other. Um, and so if there was a problem of lineage, we wouldn't know about it. That's what we have to investigate. But men, when men fight, they call each other names that have to do with their lineage. They say, you're a, a mamzer, you're a ben mamzer, your grandmother was a mamzer. And so um, if it was true, uh, uh, nowadays people just, you know, say curse names um, just because they don't like someone. But in those days, they were particular when they're cursing someone out. Um, they would uh, uh, know uh, that this person, let's say they had some problematic lineage, so usually you try to keep it quiet, right? forget about it, as we said before, let them just, um, just mix in. But if you get into a quarrel with someone and that person knows that there was some problem back, you know, three, four generations ago, they'll kind of reveal it, says, I know something about you and now that you uh, bothered me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal it and say, oh, your grandfather was a mamzer, and therefore you're no good. Now, and that's how then we would go and check and see, oh, that, is that true? Let's go and check it out. And then that would be revealed. So if you have someone, uh, so if it's, if someone has bad lineage as a man, we would know about it because everybody gets into a crawl or sooner or later. And so it would be revealed. If no one ever called this guy a, a mamzer or a eved or ben eved or anything like that, then we assume that he's kosher, we don't have to check, because otherwise it would be known, someone would have called him such a name. Uh, whereas women don't call each other names like Mamzed and Eved and all that, and that's why we have to check the woman. All right, interesting. Now the Mishnah only mentioned if a man wants to marry a woman, we have to check the woman's lineage. What about the other way around? How come a woman doesn't have to check the man's lineage and check his, you know, mother and grandmother and whatever? This supports Rav, because Rav says that Kesherot, um, kosher women, are permitted to marry Pesulim, not Mamzerim, but we're talking about for Kehuna, um, Chalalim, uh, and, uh, uh, or Gerim, or Eved Meshuchrad, and so therefore, it's okay, they don't have to check those things because a kosher woman is allowed to marry such men, whereas a kosher man is not, a kohen, is not allowed to marry such women. But a bat, ko, a bat kohen is allowed to marry uh, such men.
רב עדה בעל אהבה תנא, ארבע אמהות שהן שתים עשרה, במתניתה תנא, ארבע אמהות שהן שש עשרה. So we have two בלייטות, רב עדה בעל אהבה says that there's four women, but it turns into twelve. So obviously we're talking about not a, a bat kohen, bat kohen you only have to check four, that's eight, right, only the dark ones. But for, if someone marrying a bat yisrael, a bat levi, how many do you have to check? So the Mishnah just said you have to check another generation. So so let's see, what does that mean? So well, the Rabada says 12 altogether, but there's another Braita that says, yeah, four principal ones, but that turns into 16. So let's compare this to our Mishnah. So this makes sense according to the, the first version that says 12. We're talking about a Bat Levi or Bat Yisrael. And now we understand the Mishnah said 8 for a Bat Kohen and one more generation for a Bat Levi or Bat Yisrael. That makes 12. But it looks like the second Baraita that says 16 seems to go against the Mishnah because the Mishnah only mentions one generation back. So we answer, no, it's fine, it's consistent with the Mishnah. When the Mishnah says one more, it doesn't mean one more generation, but rather one more pair of generations, so that if for Bat Kohen you have, two, you have two here, then we have to go back two more, and that's how you get 16. Rav says a big leniency. He says this entire Mishnah is only the opinion of Rabbi Meir. He was strict and said anytime you're going to marry someone, you got to go bring out the family tree and check all these uh, 8 or 12, 16, uh, people to make sure that they're all good. That's the opinion about Chachamim, a majority opinion, and that would be the Halakha, uh, disagree and say, no, it's okay, you can assume based on the Chazaka. Unless you have evidence that the person is no good, right? Everybody knows they're no good. Those are witnesses that say that there's, a, there's a problem. You can assume a chazaka, chazkat kashrut, until otherwise uh, known. That's very important, and you don't have to do all these checks. We ask, Ini, we have another statement also in the name of Rav that says, Mishnatenu ke shekore alav ar ar. This opinion says that our Mishnah is the opinion of Chachamim that say you can follow a Chazaka until there's, a, there's an objection. Um, according to this version, uh, our Mishnah is, the, uh, is, is Chachamim and is just saying, when do you have to check? Only if there's um, if there's a problem. If there's no problem, you don't have to check. Now these uh, it ends up being the same thing um, that you don't have to check um, if there's no uh, objection. But the question is, according to the first opinion, Rabbi Meir is author of the Mishnah. According to the second version of Rav, uh, Mishnah could be is according to Chachamim. So we answer The one who taught this statement of Rav didn't teach that one. There's two versions of what Rav said. We know that Rav said you don't have to do a check. You don't have to check all these people. How, how did he how did he incorporate how did he reconcile that with the Mishnah? That is two versions, either by saying that the Mishnah is a bimeinachachamim, or that the Mishnah is only in a case where there is a problem. Another version of what of these two statements here. Another ver- there's two versions of the statement. Now there's another version of the two versions of the statement. Uh, that uh, this is this is the same. Uh, this uh, the Mishnah's opinion of Rabbi Meir. Chachamim say um, that all everybody is has a chazaka. Um, and uh, so that you don't have to check. And Rav said, and Rav, the second statement of Rav says, but 
if there is a problem, um, if someone registers a complaint, then you have to go and check. And this version, both statements of an Av are consistent with each other. Both say that the, the Mishnah is only opinion of Rabbi Meir, and Rav says independently uh, that it, the, uh, not about not concerning the, the Mishnah, that if there's a problem, you have to go and check. But the Rav could have said both of these things. They don't contradict each other. Next, en botkin min mizbeach ulemala. My tama. If someone served and uh, served uh, uh, at the mizbeach, you can assume they're kosher. How do you know? He loved the batkuha lo Because if they didn't check him, they wouldn't let him go up. Where before, if someone says, "Okay, it's your turn. Uh, your kohen. Your your mishmad. It's your turn. You can go and uh, uh, sprinkle blood on the mizbeach." Wait a second. Before you go, uh, go to the sanhedrin. Get a certificate of your lineage. Make sure it's okay. Only. Can they serve? Anyone who's at on the duchan on the uh, above all the the uh, the stairs and they're there playing the living playing instruments. The kohanim would blow chatzotzrot there, and so anyone who's there, you know that they have good lineage. How, how do you know? Because we say we have a statement that teaches that's where the the sanhedrin was right there, and they would check to make sure anyone who's coming up on that level we have to check their lineage and get a certificate before they could be standing there. And anyone. Who was on the Sedin, we don't check generations before that person. My Tama, the Tanah of Yosef, Keshem Shebetin Menukin Besedek, Kach Menukin Mikol Mum. Rav Yosef said, just like a member of, uh, of the Betin, any judge has to be. Uh, clean of just in terms of justice. He can't have a criminal record and be a judge. He has to be someone who's morally upright, and also he has to be clean of any blemishes, meaning lineage. How do you know that this is true? Because the pasuk says you are beautiful and you have no mum. It's not talking about just uh, uh, the uh, literally a beautiful woman, but it's a um, an allegory, a, a beautiful a judge. A judge has to be beautiful morally and in terms of lineage. Wait a second, how do you know it means lineage? Maybe physical blemish, that they can't have a physical blemish. Just like a Kohen who has a physical blemish can't serve, so too any um, any uh, one who has a physical blemish cannot be a judge. You're right. Okay, fine. That will be for a physical blemish. But I have another source that says, it talks about lineage um, regarding Moshe and the elders. Um, when Moshe needs help to to uh, uh, to um, uh, be in leadership help and you bring all the elders there with him, it say, uh, um, the, uh, they are told, go stand with you. The elders are going to stand with you, Moshe. Now, what does that mean they're going to stand with you? They have to be similar to you. Just like Moshe has no physical blemishes or, or no, no um, uh, lineage, blem- lineage blemish, so too the elders have to have no problem in their lineage. So now we learn that they have to be perfect in three ways, morally, physically no defect, and no, um, uh, no problem with their lineage, just as Moshe. Hold on. In that story, uh, um, the story is that Hashem is going to uh, give prophecy to Moshe and it will overflow to the others. Maybe the reason why they have to have proper lineage in that case is because they're going to be prophets. 
um, those all those seventy elders. Maybe that's why. But maybe a judge doesn't have to have good lineage. No, no. The pasuk says they will ease the burden, the burden of being a judge. Right? They will come in and and uh, judge and be judges for you, like the parallel story regarding Yitro, who specifically talks about them being judges. And so they are acting as judges, and they can only be judges if they are similar to you, Moshe, and they have to be similar in that they have no problem with their lineage. And so that is a requirement of a judge. And therefore, if someone sat on a Sanhedrin, then we can assume they check their lineage, and they're okay, so you don't have to check any further. If someone is a public official, that means their lineage is good. Are you telling me that you can't um, appoint a public official from someone who has problematic lineage we have a Braita that says um, anyone can be a judge for monetary law but not for uh, but not for um, uh, uh, capital punishment that's what before we're talking about the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin can judge capital punishment so fine they do um, but here it says anyone can judge um, judge monetary law now when we analyze this who is this including? What do you mean, everyone? Even a mamzer can do it. And that's a type of public official. So how could you say that a mamzer can be a judge for monetary uh, matters? Um, uh, so that means it's allowed. So that means public officials also that oversee various monetary things uh, should be allowed to be. Even a mamzer could do it. Um, so that doesn't. There's no proof that someone just because someone is a public official doesn't mean they, they have good lineage. No, this um, this clause is only talking about in Jerusalem. Anyone who's uh, uh, voted as a public official in Jerusalem, they check their um, uh, they check their lineage that they're on they're they're not flawed. That's what we're talking about. Um, uh, where, whereas at, at outside the, but this other source that we have over here, that anyone can be a judge or a public official, even if they're a mamzed, that's talking about outside of Jerusalem. From whatever law you don't have to, but in Shalim, they wanted it to be extra holy. Also, someone who collects sedaka has uh, we can assume is of good lineage. So um, it's not an intrinsic thing that someone who collects a dakah has to have good lineage, but rather we would know if the person had bad lineage, bad lineage um, because um, uh, tax sedaka uh, collectors often get into fights with people. Um, back then, they had it wasn't uh, like you give whatever you want. There was a, 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 a like a official tax, a tax that the charity collector would go around says everyone has to pay into the charity fund. It's required. If someone doesn't pay, then the charity collector can force them to. He can even go and take. A, a collateral uh, from that person, even on Erev Shabbat, when they're rushing and preparing for Shabbat, this ta- this uh, charity collector will go in into their house and take a, take a vase and say, okay, this is uh, um, collateral until you come and pay. And now people would then curse at him and say, you, and if there was a problem in his lineage, they would say, you uh, Ben Mamzer, you uh, Ben uh, uh, Eved. 
um, and they would call them names. So if there was a problem, we would know. If someone is a tax collector and no one ever called him such names, then you know that he is kosher. Now a story about this. Important sage, and he would regularly stay at someone's house. We don't have the name of the guy of the host, so we're just going to call him the host. Um, that host was a, uh, a convert. We're actually going to see he's from a family of a convert. His father was a convert. His mother was Jewish. The host was fighting with Rabbevai. They were fighting to get a position of authority. They're both running for public office. One said, I'm going to be the uh, public official. The other one says, no, I'm going to be the public official. The host and Rabbevai come to Rav Yosef to judge between them. The Torah is regarding a king that has to be from among your brethren, from among you. Like, uh, like uh, now, a president has to be a natural-born citizen. So any, not only a king, he, he learns, but any, any official that you place over you has to be from among your brethren, meaning a natural-born citizen and not a convert. So, sorry, the host, you lose, Rabbevai wins, Rabbevai gets the um, gets the position. But luckily, the host had a, an advocate. The great rabbi who was the guest at, uh, at this host's uh, house often, he came to his defense. He says, wait a second, what about someone whose mother is Jewish, only their father is a convert. Would you say that that's not And Rav Yosef, the judge, said, Oh, if his mother is Jewish, that's okay. That's called, with, that's called natural born. It doesn't matter if the father um, is a convert. Therefore, Rav Yosef ruled that both of them can be public officials, and but he chose each one an appropriate job. That Bevai is a great sage, so he should be in charge of uh, spiritual matters. He can uh, appoint judges um, and uh, you know decide who gives uh, the derasha, the public lectures, educational things. Whereas um, the host will deal with monetary matters, uh, you know, uh, irrigation, uh, uh, divvying up who gets the water, um, uh, uh, making, uh, ensuring that the weights and measures are correct, and so on. We learned an important lesson from the story. Anyone who has guests over who are sages, make sure that your guests are among the ranks of someone like Rav Barahava, who knows how to be a good lawyer and plead in your favor. If you have people like that that are your guests, then when you need something, they can come and help you out. And, uh, you know, not, any, not anyone would be able to figure out this, uh, this argument that, oh, it's, it's his mother is Jewish, so he's okay. Um, so uh, otherwise, the host would have not gotten an, an official appointment at all. So luckily he did. So oh, you should always uh, host great rabbis in your home.
רבי זרע מטפל בהוא, רבא בר אבו מטפל בהוא, במר רבא אפילו ריש קורא, למוק מימיניהו, בנהרדעה אפילו ריש גרגותה, למקמו מיניהו. We mentioned earlier that in Yerushalayim they would be very careful with the uh, public officials that they should only be of good lineage, but not necessarily everywhere. So now we're going to see a few different places. Rabbi Zera, he would appoint people with problematic lineage to public, uh, as a public official. Rabbi Abba, Abba, uh, also in his place, they would be fine with it. In the West, in Israel, um, they would not allow uh, some, uh, someone who had a problematic lineage, like a convert, uh, to be in charge of anything, not even over measurement, which is a pretty you know, easy, simple job. Uh, make sure the people's measurements are good. They would not permit it. In the Hardeah, uh, they also were, there was even, although that was in Bavel, they would also not allow someone to be, uh, have an appointment over irrigation if he was of someone the, of problematic lineage. Next, Rabbi Yosef was one that added, also someone who was a, who signed a document in the old court or the court, court in old Sipori. Because in that court, before anyone signed uh, something, they would make sure that they were of good lineage. And so therefore, if they signed in there in that court, we know that they're good. Rabbi Hanina ben Antignos said that someone in uh, the army, enlisted in the army, must be of good lineage. Shemel says, this is only in David's army, not just any army, just because you're uh, uh, called up for service or signed up for service, only in David's army. Reckon by lineage for service. It says here, so they have with regard to serving in the in the army. Tamamai, why would it be important for someone fighting to have good lineage? So that not only their merit, but the merit of their ancestors will help them in battle. If you have someone who's a convert or whatever, then their ancestors are not going to help them. We need all the help we can get, not just physical, but also spiritual help. So we bring some someone of good lineage. Well, wait a second. In David's army, in Sefer Shemuel, it mentions one fighter named Selek, the Ammonite. Isn't he from Ammon, who joined the army, converted, or, 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 or maybe he didn't convert? But he was a good friend. Like nowadays in the Israeli army, we have a lot of Druze um, fighters, and they're they're very good. So you don't have to be Jewish to be uh, supportive of the state of Israel and and join in the army. So don't you have this guy? And uh, uh, he was not of good lineage, whether he was a convert or not. If he was a convert, still is a convert, not of good lineage. My love, the Amon isn't he from? Isn't he an Ammonite? La Amon. No, he's an Israelite who happened to live in Ammon. I don't know he moved there for some reason. But he's uh, he's really uh, Israelite. Wait, is Uriah the Hittite? Doesn't mean my love. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean he came from Chet and he's a Hittite, not Jewish. No, he's Israelite. He just uh, happened to live in Chet. You have Itai, who's from Gat. Uh, Gat is one of the areas of the Pilishtim. He's a Palestinian. What is he doing in the in David's army? That's not good lineage. And maybe you'll say the same thing for that. For for him, he's an Israelite who happens to be living in Gat. Can't be that he 
is a Jew who's living in uh, non-Jewish territory because it says that there, David had a, a crown um, that he used to wear. It was a crown that had an idol of Ammon. Um, uh, it was in use, uh, the crown was used uh, by the idol of Ammon. Now you can't use idolatry unless it's nullified. Just like you do bitul hametz and you say, I don't care about this. So too it's possible to do bitul avodah zarah. But only a non-Jew can do bitul avodah zarah. Only the non-Jew has the power to say, um, this thing that was used for avodah zarah, now I nullify it, we're not using it for avodah zarah anymore. And who did this? It was Yitai Hagiti uh, nullified this crown so therefore, he must be not Jewish. Um, so this is a problem. And to add more to this question, they said, Rav said that there were 400 children that David had um, that served in his army, and they were all the sons of Eshet Yefat When David would go and, and, and fight and would capture a place, he would take one of the beautiful women there, have a child with that woman. So these are all non-Israelite women. And so these 400 uh, boys are all of improper lineage. And furthermore, they didn't even dress Jewish. They all had a Greek haircut like this. You would cut around and have a long uh, like ponytail, a long hair in the back. Um, that was considered very beautiful by the Greeks um, to have it. And the Cholam Yoshim Bekronit Shel Zahav, and they would sit in golden carts, and they would march in the front of the troops. They were going to lead the troops. And these are the mighty ones of the house of David. So you have all these people that were of non-kosher lineage. They're all uh, at best converts. And they're all fighting in David's army. So you told me that anyone fighting in David's army is of good lineage. But here we have these 400 and the Taigiti that are not of good lineage. And the answer is that No, these kids, these boys, they weren't actually fighting um, in battle. They would go forth in front of the in front of the troops to frighten everyone. These were like trophy kids. Um, or, or maybe men by the time they grew up. Uh, trophy people um, that would be in the front says, look, uh, David would, uh, the, the point is, David would say, look, I conquered all these 400 countries and I took women from them and I had uh, sons from all of them. And so each of these men, mighty men, uh, it's not that they were fighting themselves, but uh, they were very beautiful. And uh, I guess to accentuate the fact that they're not Jewish is why they had these non-Jewish haircuts, right? And that's the point. David's saying, I conquered, conquered all of these 400 different places. And so, you know, you're next. Um, so you better be afraid. And that would demoralize the enemy. So that's what they were doing in his army, but they weren't actually fighting. Anyone actually enlisted on the list of fighters in David's army were of good lineage so that the merit of their forefathers would protect them. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.